to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcheson, uh, and Adam J. Simon is back again this week. So, Adam, welcome back. Hello. Uh, and we also have a special guest this week, Oscar Ortega, the VP of Talent from our UM Studios, here to talk with us all about influencers' influence and the future of where we see this industry going. Uh, so with that, let's just dive straight into it. All right, how's everybody feeling? Feeling good. Feeling relaxed. Does everybody know who, who, this, who, who this person is? That's Lil Michaela. Lil Michaela, yeah. <laughs> Scott, how many virtual influencers do you follow at this point? Honestly, I don't follow Zero. any of them, <laughs> but I like them a lot. They're really interesting. It's I, Yeah, it's funny because I asked myself the same question. I'm mm-hmm. like, should I start following these folks? I mean, <laughs> from a from a professional work perspective, I right. should be. Um, I did think for a second, like, okay, well, I probably should out of curiosity, but like, what are my friends going to say? <laughs> like, you know? uh, I mean, my my line always is, especially when I'm like, scrolling through my phone a bit i'm like it's work i have to <laughs> right that's not yeah i mean it's research right it's yeah. research i don't know i mean i might follow the uh, the kfc one the virtual colonel sanders that's kind of cool yeah that's kind of fun uh they made a really hot colonel sanders yeah <laughs> i mean that's, that's what it came down to <laughs> and i guess that's how, that's how you'd be an influencer right just be hot i mean just, that, that's a really quick way of doing yeah. it <laughs> just influencers in general are i don't think i at least on purpose follow any influencers at all and so that's okay so that's a great question right there right what is defined as an influencer like like how would how would you two define an influencer um i'll go first yeah yeah so i mean i think it depends Um, i think my general idea of what an influencer is and at least the way we speak about it to clients really um when you boil it down an influencer for us really is someone who for our purposes, is able to influence the audience that we're trying to reach, you know? So okay. it's, it's definitely more, obviously, like digital content, digital storytelling, or some form of, of imagery communication that we want to, where we want to reach a specific um, audience. So we at UM Studios are able to, through data anal- analytics and understanding who the audience is, find out who are those influencers that can hit uh, the people that we're trying to speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also align with the affinities that we're talking about and with the brand as well. So f- again, for us, I think it's it's making sure that that these people are influential with the folks and consumers that we're trying to reach. Got it. So it's not necessarily like you need an Instagram or a Twitter verified check mark to be an influencer or have like a threshold of like a million followers or five hundred followers. Like it's more about what they do than what they are. Right. For us, yes, I see it as more more of a taking a media approach to it. You know. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think within the influencer space also, to your point, uh, we work with a range of, I guess, tiers of influencers from, and, you know, some of them are not verified. I think the more lower tiered oak or quote unquote micro influencers that mm-hmm. are newer on the scene are for the most part not verified. And then when you get into the upper tiers where you have celebrity, you know, level talent then at that point they are verified they are verified adam what about yourself what do you define as an influencer or do you follow anybody that you think is an influencer not that i'm aware of consciously <laughs> but i think that's that's I, I wouldn't say that that's inherent to the definition of an influencer but i think that that is part of it of course um, i think it's a little uh interesting how influencers basically started because nobody knew that they were 
you know, selling con selling products to you, right? Like that was part of the, the deal. And how we've kind of pivoted to this world where everybody is hyper aware that influencers are real and mm -hmm. uh, that they are, are um, you know, being are selling products to uh, or services to uh, their followers. Uh, and I think that that's uh, an interesting development where you can have an audience that, you know, it, it changes, I think, the dynamics around around influencers and brands who use them. Um, and, you know, I think for a while the brands were chasing that down to smaller and smaller audiences with micro influencers, but I kind of don't see it as a problem. It seems like users are, are a lot of users are very okay with being sold to by people that they follow because they're following them for some other reason in the first place, whether it's uh, because they are hot or because they <laughs> like their sense of fashion or uh, their beauty style. And, you know, they're following them for, uh, for other kinds of, it's just like, like any other kind of um, advertising, right? They're following, they're there for some other kind of content. And then the, the brand integration comes along. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting though, because like, you know, as, as we know, like as eyeballs switch from traditional, TV advertising to more digital um, and thus influencers, in a way, I think it also gives power, more power back to the actual consumer, you know, because they can actually choose who to follow, like they can choose who resonates with them, obviously. Um, and, and basically what, what, had, what has happened basically is that these influencers have become their own media channels, basically, where mm -hmm. consumers and audiences tune into. That's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think I, um, Sam, similarly, I don't think I consciously follow anybody. Mm -hmm that I know is like an influencer or a micro influencer. But you know, I, I, for me, what, what, when I, what, when I think about influencers, it's like somebody that is very much like paid to be on Instagram. Like it has to be paid. Right. I, I think that's like my definition of it. I, I would agree. Although uh, I've heard stories and I don't, I can't think of one specifically off the top of my head, but I've heard about people sort of posting uh, fake brand messages or, or brand messages, but that, that they created themselves and they're, they're not being paid to promote to sort of like fake it till you make it them, themselves into, <laughs> yeah. into on, influencers. They're on the hustle right there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. kind of makes sense, right? It's like if you can show that you can do so in like a tasteful and, uh, yeah. and, and a way that converts in some, in some way, shape or form, uh, you know, I think that that makes sense, but it's also... Uh, <laughs> deeply hilarious to me that people are <laughs> no, yeah. pretending to be sponsored by brands as a way to like gain uh, respectability. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, yeah. I would say I have a, a pineapple account it's <laughs> at the pineapple kid on Instagram. Follow me. I've got a hundred followers, but I've been like tweeting at Dole and Maui pineapple gold for like years now. Just trying to build that equity with them to be a, a pineapple influencer. It's not quite working well, for me. Maybe yet, you but... need to, maybe you just need to pretend like you have a Dole sponsorship and act as if Ooh, you were true. being paid to promote Dole products. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad way to look at it. <laughs> uh, but I, I cut you off. Sorry, Oscar. You were, were going to say no, something. No, I was going to say um, it's funny because I feel like recently I've actually heard heard of similar stories where people, in order to um, gain attention, I guess, have posted things that aren't exactly true in order just to gain awareness of some sort, whether it be to get attention from the actual brand or, you know, to get, um, to get on people's radars through like, you know, tags or hashtag, um, searches or stuff like that. So it, it's strange. Um, and yes, I think that when people think about influencers, I think overtly the, one of the first things that come to mind is sort of like the paid endorsement side of it, um, which is very true. I think that's, that's how basically they make their money, obviously. But I think that that stems from from the concept of like, you know, the influencers for their audiences are a more trusted source of communication than what they've been used to in the past, whether it be TVC or radio, et cetera, et cetera. So they feel, feel a closer connection to to that specific influencer. And it's, it's really more of a peer to peer sort of like communication in marketing, basically. 
Well, well P- I use peer, you know, yeah. quote unquote, because I'm sure that like Kendall Jenner is not exactly, you know, my peer. <laughs> Your pineapple account and Kendall Jenner are definitely on the same level. Yeah, they're the same level. Uh, we charge the same. It's about, you know, 500000 per post. That's awesome. I will, I will go to Fire Festival and promote it if I need be. Perfect. Um, Let me know. As, as long as you can hit the views, we're good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm curious to know from like the both of you and Oscar, especially you as you deal with us day to day, like where are you seeing the most value today when it comes to working with influencers? and the channels they're on is it instagram is it facebook youtube like where do like where are brands finding the most value right now yeah that's that's a that's a really good question um i think that we're seeing a lot of growth i think the industry as a a whole actually is seeing a lot of usage through the instagram platform um we're seeing a lot of value value there and we're seeing a lot of briefs and client requests to be on that specific platforms there's just a lot more people on it there's more engagement there's more views um and then also now we're seeing with the with these stories functionality functionality a lot, a lot of people are switching to that type of content more often, um, and I believe that that also garners a lot a higher engagement rate uh, rate than an actual in feed post. So all those things are really good metrics that the brands like to see. Um, I do it's interesting what you said. I do agree that you know Instagram does provide for a platform that where you can exhibit you know a lifestyle. Yep. Basically, that's that's what that is. Um, you know, I, I think that Instagram itself also is trying to offer more in its platform, especially with IGTV. Um, I think that for us, you know, we've been able to use um, a variety of platforms depending on what the communication objective is. So, for example, like, you know, like we said, Instagram would be a little bit more more lifestyle. Like, you know, it could be also like, you know, more of a shoppable content type of, you know, message or, or, mm-hmm. or ad or whatnot. Um, conversion rate sometimes too depends. Um, and then YouTube, um, a lot of times serves for more lo- longer form content, um, or more original programming or even something that's a little bit more utility content where, and that means like, you know, if you're looking for something, if you're searching for videos or content that are instructional or on how to do something, yep. or even like, I think like unboxing or gifting is oh, big yeah. right now. Huge. <laughs> is big Huge. right now on YouTube primarily. Um, so I think it depends, you know, Facebook, for, for the lack of a better way of explaining it, it's more like, gen- it's more general, um, more of a general platform. Okay. Um, Messaging it skews a little bit towards more adults than a younger generation, and um, Snapchat. I th- I don't. We don't use. We're not seeing a lot. We're not seeing a lot of Snapchat being used. But I think that when we do, we see it more when the objective is to message and communicate with the younger generation. Just to kind of break it down, let's so like right now, Instagram, that seems to be the key pillar when it comes to working with influencers. And more and more so, it's going more into like the stories format and the kind of like live format. And mm-hmm. is, is that because of like those those environments are more like in a sense, for a better word, authentic? Is that is kind of like what people can like, re- like relate to more in that? environment rather than it's like an in-feed post where it's like yeah got it click move on yeah i I think i think it's more relatable i think that those kinds of posts especially you know where where you can do them on on instagram are a lot of times are seen to be more authentic the more you know quote unquote real Mm -hmm. um and they're so basically they're not as manufactured um it's funny that you said live i think live is also kind of like really uh, creeping up as well not creeping but to make it here um and we're seeing that um and when, Not, you, when you say live, do you mean Instagram live, like yeah. live stories? Okay. Yeah, where it be, whether it be Periscope or Instagram uh, live stories, um, we're seeing the live platforms happening happening a lot now. I mean, it's ubiquitous basically within gaming. Um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think it, it 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 does give the sense of more authentic content for their followers. Gotcha, Adam. Do you follow 
or do you go deep into live uh, stories or anything on Instagram? Uh, I, I definitely am seeing my, myself increase stories usage. Okay. Uh, not so much on the live. I actually don't feel, I feel like I'm seeing fewer and fewer people do live content at this point. I get more and more notifications pushing live content. Really? I know that much. It's yeah. like, oh, but this person's gone live. But it's for me, it's never anybody... Uh, that I want to actually like listen to. It's like it's like the A list celebs. I think the one time I did it was with the Knox. They're like they're like an artist and producer group yeah. that I love. And like I, I listened to their story, which was really cool, and chatted with them. But other than that, like like when you get to like like the big A list celebs for me, I feel like that's almost like too far removed from that. Yeah, so I, it's it's funny you say that because I feel like the live functionality, at least for me, my impression is that you'll get. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, actually, it'll be, it, it would be cool to try to look up some metrics on that. But, um, I think it'd be cool for passion points, for example, like, um, like, it, like exactly what you said. I feel like I get a lot more notifications for handles that are going live. And a lot of times I'm like, mm, not interested or like yep. whatever, but you know, if it's something, so, so for example, like unboxing or stuff like that, it's huge for live because you want to see the actual genuine reaction right there and people actually working through whatever product live it's it's more effective mm-hmm. um but also speaking about passion points like if it's something sports related that i know that i want to know about I, I will immediately go to it okay interesting so it kind of depends on the scenario and the context yeah, exactly. it's all you know it always comes down to context exactly, right yeah it always comes down to context but on speaking of live i think this is a great place to transition uh into game streaming and influencers that are happening on twitch how are you seeing uh, consumers kind of change their behavior when they're interacting with a uh, a an influencer that, that that that's actually broadcasting live. Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the interesting things about game streaming is that unlike a lot of um, a lot of other influencer products, products that influencers might be promoting uh, in gaming, you um, can consume it theoretically right away, right? Like mm-hmm. it could be consumed on the same platform that you're watching uh, watching the influencer on. Um, and I think that that shift we haven't seen that. Um, we obviously have seen games, you know, sort of optimized for streaming influencers to to promote and market, and that has had a lot to do with the rise of esports in the West. Um, but I think even more interesting is what is about to start happening as we shift to um, gaming becoming more of a subscription based uh, sale, um, where you're you're paying for an always on uh, subscription and you're able to download games um, for or, or stream games uh, for play, um, you know, rather than purchasing them for $60 on burnt into a disc. Um, that that shift is happening sort of independently of the streaming uh, landscape, uh, an influencer landscape. But once that shift really starts to uh, to take to take off, it'll make it incredibly easy to uh, tr- jump in and, and try games that you see influencers playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that Google is really, um, I think, betting on that with what they're doing with their upcoming game streaming service Stadia um, and the deep integration that it's going to have into YouTube. Um, so, you know, game streaming for a long time has been very focused on Twitch because they were the, the largest platform. But I think some things are starting to change in the marketplace Um you know, uh, uh, Ninja going to Mixer yep. um, obviously was a was a big shift uh, that gave that platform uh, some some legs for the first time. And I think that Google Stadia's integration into YouTube is going to give YouTube some uh, serious um, audience potential when it launches in the fall. Yeah. Um, and again, the interesting thing there is that you'll be able to. 
uh, an influencer will be able to pause their game and basically create a save game file um, at a point in time and then hand the reins over to uh, uh, Stadia subscribers who can jump into the game at that exact point and give their, you know, try their hand at doing whatever the, uh, the influencer was just doing. Um, and I think that's a really interesting integration and could uh, fundamentally change how games are, are marketed and how they're mm-hmm. even eventually how they're designed. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know pulling from Alex Danko on Twitter, you know, he was his his whole philosophy is that as we see streaming happening, uh, individuals will stop following games, but instead go back to following individuals and people. Right. So uh, in a sense, the the game becomes a venue. Uh, and the game streamer becomes the artist that they're there to see. So now, so no matter where they are in the world, whether that's in Fortnite or Overwatch um, or even Minecraft, uh, the person is tuning in to actually view that influencer and be a part of that kind of conversation and in a sense be there for like that live show rather than experiencing or wanting to see what that game is like. And I, th- I think that brings up an interesting question. And Adam, I'm really interested in your opinion on this, but it comes down to, right, like, you know, who has the power? when it comes to these deals and these buys, right? Like, you know, TikTok really has put the, I think the power into like, into the platform hand, right? Because they're servicing, you know, content in, sing- in singular videos uh, versus like an Instagram where, you know, like the actual influencer themselves has like, has a lot of power because they have a massive audience and they have all these subscribers that they can reach directly, right? So it's like, if, if you kind of balance the two uh, TikTok and Instagram, like they have very different models on how they are going to distribute that, um, you know, message across their platform. So um, Adam, you know, I'm just curious and if we were to say, like, how do you navigate that? Like, what are you, what are you thinking about? So at, like, the top levels, when you get to a certain size, influencers kind of have to become platform agnostic. Or they don't have to, but they, they effectively are. If you look at Gigi Hadid, uh, she is not um, 100% reliant on Instagram for anything. Certainly not it's for true. her income at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, uh, you know, if she were to pick up and move to TikTok or to Snapchat, um, exclusively, um, which, you know, she could, I'm sure be incentivized to do for the right amount of money. Uh, a lot of her fans would, would follow her there. Um, and you know, a lot of her fans might already be using those platforms. They might be using them more casually, but that might incentivize them to use them more often. For example, um, I think, you know, in the gaming sphere, we just saw this happen with Ninja, um, where he, uh, reportedly was paid $50 million to move to Mixer. Um, and, uh, in the first, five days that he had a million followers on Mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as you uh, pointed out, we, we checked his feed uh, earlier and he there were only 8,000 concurrent uh, viewers, which is not as many as he normally would be getting um, uh, this time of day on Twitch. So, um, you know, unclear uh, if he if that move was successful for him and for Microsoft. But, um, you know, I guess for him, it was successful because he made $50 million. So allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> uh, but Ninja, feel free to, uh, to write in and tell us if that is not true. Yes, please. <laughs> At, uh, Adam J. Simon on Twitter. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I think that that uh, that's obviously tr- you know, it, it may be tr- it's definitely true for Gigi Hadid. It may be for people like Ninja. Um, I think the qu- the question is the vast majority of influencers are nowhere near at that scale, and mm-hmm. even 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 some of the larger ones who are already diversifying their their income, uh, I think, are still pretty locked into the platforms that that made them famous, um, and. 
Uh, I think that's why you see lots of in- um, influencers interested in third-party tools like Patreon that helps them monetize their biggest fans directly. Um, it's not even – obviously, the, mo- the money is is good and important, but it's also about that direct connection to those fans. Um, if you're paying somebody on Patreon for um, you know for bonus content or, or just to support them, you they can move their primary channel with you to another social network um, at a, or even possibly to just being direct um, at any time. And we see uh, YouTube and Facebook, um, you know, toying around with adding some of these features uh, uh, directly um, into into the platforms. Um, I don't know. I, that, I mean, it makes sense for them to do that. Um, certainly, maybe new and upcoming creators will will use those tools. But for an established creator, they, it's probably still better for them to use a third party thing like Patreon. Um, again, because it gives them that direct connection that they can then redirect in other places uh, as yeah. the as the winds of social media change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think to your point, like paying directly to creators is a trend that we're seeing happen across not just social media influencers, but like everybody, right? Like podcasting has been big in that space. Like there are more and more uh, startups that are coming out to help creators get paid. So it seems like there's this like, like, like a big push in the industry um, to establish direct relationships with creators and audiences. And then for them as a, as a listener, as a viewer, whoever it might be as a follower to pay that creator directly. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see more and more solutions come out to kind of help compensate those that do put the work in for the, for, I guess, you know, to, to, to create that content, uh, to get paid for it. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that, um, it is the kind of thing that I think a lot of users feel good about. They feel good about supporting people whose uh, who, whose style and interest they they like and and talents that they appreciate. And I think it, uh, um, you know, we it comes up all the time when we talk about like Twitch bits um, and the idea of mm-hmm. you know, tip jar uh, business models, um, which are uh, outside of Twitch is not super popular in the the West yet. Uh, it is very popular in in Asia, uh, but. Uh, I think that that I, I see the potential there for it to be popular in the U.S. as well, just because um, it it is it sounds silly and weird, but it makes people feel good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it makes them feel yeah. more connected to these people that they want to, in some ways, want to model themselves after in in at least one way, shape, or form. Do you, do you feel no, that way, Oscar? I, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I actually hadn't heard of that, so that's that's super interesting. And but I agree with what you're saying, though. I think it does incentivize people to just have that closer connection with that influencer as well. Yeah, I think, and I think that's like what gets at the core of all this, right? Whether it's an influencer that is on, you know, game streaming, whether it's on Instagram, YouTube, you know, I think it's a, it, it really comes down to like building a community, right? Like people want to be part of this community that's part of their passions and, you know, building ways for them to feel more exclusive or you know, more intimate with that creator in that community uh, is what people are willing to pay for, be a part of. And then, you know, Adam, to your point, it makes them feel good. Um, so Adam, I know we've had a long discussion today about influence, but really the, the core of why we're here <laughs> <laughs> are these emerging synthetic or in, uh, virtual influencers. I'm going to choose to call them synthetic influencers. Uh, but what what exactly are these synthetic influencers for our audience that might not know uh, what they are? Yeah, synthetic influencers are uh, characters that are created for the explicit purpose of being influencers, uh, mostly on social media, but not exclusively on social media. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're they're um, I think all of them so far are uh, CGI characters. Although I, yeah. I actually think there's opportunities um, outside of that as well. Like what kind of opportunities outside well, CGI? I, like just like cartoon? Well, yeah, obviously. But also like I could imagine somebody being cast as an influencer with a backstory, but have it be an, a person who is basically an actor or actress playing an influencer. Oh, 
I don't think that's so that's far from the truth. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like influencers do today. Like they build a persona about like what it is, right? Sure. But you could also back someone like one of the, one of the interesting things about virtual influencers is that, um, they are not one person. Obviously they're created by sort of a, uh, team of people behind them who are deciding, um, obviously which brands they work with, uh, as influencers, but also, you know, how they're posting on social when they're not promoting a brand. And you can imagine somebody, a team being behind a single person like that as well uh, that's yeah. where my mind was going gotcha no that makes sense um well for those that don't know some of the the major synthetic influencers that are out there uh the probably the top star is a person called well not a person but, um, <laughs> i guess how i don't know exactly how to describe her but uh her name is little michaela uh she is from the company called broad or brood brood b-r-u-d uh, she has 1.6 million Instagram followers. Uh, she's currently a brand ambassador for Samsung alongside Ninja, Steve Aoki, and Millie Bobby Brown. So, you know, three very culturally relevant uh, people across gaming, uh, across entertainment, and of course, music. Uh, and I mean, I think this is this is the character that really, you know, broke the mold for, I guess, those that weren't following this industry day to day like little michaela came out of nowhere and it seems like that's been the all-star breakout hit well here yeah here in the west right like this was a thing in uh, asia for a while um, as as often happens in culture, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're we're always taking from uh, our friends in the east. Uh, but you know, she's not alone. Uh, there is now a company called Superplastic, which describes itself as the world's premier creator of animated synthetic celebrities, designer toys, and apparel. So a kind of collaboration of all kind of like three different industry areas. Uh, but they have two synthetic influencers. One is called Janky, with thirty five thousand followers on Instagram, and another one is named Gucci Man with sixty six thousand uh you know followers on instagram and these ones are definitely more towards like the animated side of things like they aren't trying to be um like a synthetic human but they're very much a like like an animated character uh or persona that you would maybe follow in a video game uh but they seem to be really pushing forward with those two as their lead synthetic influencers uh and of course the brands are getting involved uh Believe it or not, KFC launched a virtual Colonel Sanders. And I think, as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, that's one attractive Colonel, uh, I got to <laughs> say. Uh, so he's out there promoting uh, real chicken in a virtual environment. Um, but I think all this t- like together, right, Adam, like it's it really leans on this idea of digital culture and just how much we're seeing the offline and online blend together. Like there really is no longer a separation, as we've been talking about for a few years now. And I think that's a really key thing to highlight uh, as we think about these new environments environments where people are spending time is that uh, so much that was in a sense, I guess, excluded in the digital world is really making its way uh, into mainstream media and, you know, offline outlets that we can you know, interact with. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the point is that there are, obviously there are influencers that exist offline in in the offline world um and and have uh, appear make appearances and, and show up on red carpets and things like that but there were uh, increasingly a lot of influencers who people never see outside of their uh, their own social media accounts um, or maybe you know sort of cross promotion with other influencers so once you have that um it's i think an easy jump to uh, why why not make why not test those people being virtual right because like how real is an influencer if you never really see them outside <laughs> of instagram right right 
So something to think about for uh, all our listeners. But when it comes to virtual influencers and human ones, I want to you know explore a bit further. Like what what are these differences? You know, are is there really a difference? Um, I think there's some differences when it comes to how you activate from like a brand activation standpoint. Um, and I think Oscar will talk about this in a minute. But it's very much uh, you have all the control with a digital influencer or a synthetic influencer. Uh, but I guess from like like the consumer side of things, like you know, is there really a difference between like a virtual influencer and a human one. I mean, I think the one question is, uh, and I think this is sort of maybe up for debate these days, but originally one of the uh, value propositions of working with influencers was that it was someone who was famous or had a following and it, they were sort of giving their uh, their thumbs up to your products or your brand uh, by featuring it on their feed, right? O- originally, back in the, the old naive days, um, <laughs> it was a lot of consumers, I think, would assume that that, that was, they were just naturally um, enjoying those products uh, organically. Um, and now, obviously, I think a lot more consumers are, are more savvy about these things and understand that they are being paid to promote them. Um, so I guess that's the question, right? Is like, does that uh, personal um, endorsement still come along with influencer marketing? I think it probably does to a little to a little extent. I think it's right. hard to um, completely uh, ignore that side of it. Um, obviously, on, on the virtual influencer side of things, because there's no one there, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, not organic in any way, shape or form. Right. But, you know, I was reading this report from PSFK about coherence and consistency. And I think that's what matters more than whether or not the individual might be real. It's as long as a synthetic influencer can, uh, you know, I guess, give um, off the consistent or coherence presence of like, this is who I am and this is what I believe. Uh, as long as they, they don't break that like mold, uh, I think consumers will be very receptive and open to what they have to say. Uh, as long as like they think, you know, what they post about and what they, you know, align with, you know, represent in their minds, you know, what the, for example, little Michaela, you know, mission and beliefs are in life. Similar, you know, it's, similar, it's like brands, right? It's, yeah. just, it's kind of like yeah. aligning beliefs with your audience and, you know, sticking by that. Yeah, they're basically, I think an interesting way to think about them is sort of a meta brand that exists um, above the, you know, brand level, but they're curating other brands and products um, mm-hmm. for an audience. And whether that has to do with, uh, you know, base, whether it's based on like purpose or whether it's based on aesthetic or what, what, whatever it is, whatever the value proposition for that virtual influencer is, as long, yeah, as long as it fits with their mission <laughs> um, and their purpose, I think it makes, you know, it, it still has that level of curation. So I have, a, I have a question. What do you think? I think part of the original value proposition around influencers is that it wasn't just that, you know, somebody that you liked and followed, um, you know, was promoting a product, but that they actually liked the product or used the product, right? Yes. So, uh, and, and that carries some value, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a, a personal recommendation for a product. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with virtual influencers, uh, it, that it's it's either not a person or if it the closest you can get is it's a team of people behind the the virtual influencers <laughs> yes. who might be uh, selecting the products. Do you think that, I guess, one, that that value proposition is still there in a world where we know it, it, influencers are pretty transparent about the fact that they're influencers uh, it, it, with real influencers? And then does the lack of that with virtual influencers, do you think that that lowers the value proposition for them? You know, that that's actually a super interesting question. And I actually just broke that in my head into two different questions. Um <laughs> You know, so yes, I, I mean, I, I think that in, in that scenario, um, I think that the real life influencers still obviously hold the upper hand uh, because to that point, like, you know, it's peer to peer marketing. 
um, in a lot of the values still to this day, we see a lot of surveys and a lot of people talking about like, you know, it's, they, they trust what influencers are saying, even, even if it is a hashtag ad more so than traditional advertising. Um, they believe that influencer and that they like that product and stuff like that, um, that they like that product. Um, and especially when it's, when it's content that is more utility content where they're telling you how to use it. I think that, uh, in the beauty space, it's huge because they're actually showing you how to use, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the makeup and whatever it may be. Um, so I think that beauty is actually one of the, you know, more premium verticals for influencers. So again, I think, I think that the real life influencers still hold the upper hand and, and sort of just like having that recommendation, that human connection and the trusting of like, what are you saying? Like, you know, or trusting that you actually like the product and you think the product works. Uh, I mean, for us, everyone that we work with, like has actually used the products and likes the products that they, that we work with. Um, there, the, I think there is a platform for the synthetic influencers to play in where they actually sell a lifestyle. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's almost like a catalog also. Yep. Like, you know, that, that a, a certain people that ascribe to a certain um, lifestyle can follow those influencers and that content can be curated to, to basically cater to what that person wants to see and how they can actually, um, how they can actually interact or use the product as well. Yeah, I, I I think that in some ways, like the, the KFC one is a, a maybe a weird outlier because it is specifically for one brand. But in, if you look at like Little Michaela, it's not just it. it even though it, there's a team behind her, they mm-hmm. are curating yes. an aesthetic and a yep. brand, um, and that is the thing that yes. is is worth following. And in some ways, is like super interesting because um, you know the only time that's ever happened, it's been around individual influencers. And so now it's like a team curating it rather yep. than just one person. And that's yeah. kind of an, it's kind of an evolution in, in a, in a way into a new realm. But do we, do we think that like this is here to stay? Do we think it's a fad do we think It's, it's going to continue. I think we'll see more of it, more of a <laughs> synthetic and, and more of a synthetic slash virtual influencers. Um, I mean, it's a super interesting topic. Um, I think I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think it's necessarily a fad. How long and um, and how much they'll actually cut into the influencer space, for the lack of a better term, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that. Um, but I do think that you know, based on articles that I read and everything else, and it's it's pretty wide, widely found on the internet. Like, I do think that these companies are are going to evolve these influencers, and I think that I mean, right now they're basically you know, more so static images. Um, There isn't really a lot of like, you know, artificial learning or robotics or anything involved with these influencers. And I think that to some extent they are going to evolve to that. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I read somewhere that if, you know, that if these virtual influencers can, you know, actually become AI and learn and grow um, as online media and basically live online across platforms that's something that people are looking to do and that might be a little bit more um enticing for brands so um i do think i do think it's here to stay i do think it's gonna still move like at a very moderate pace if if anything um and i do think that the virtual influencers at the very least are gonna evolve and but i don't know Mm -hmm. exactly how much brands are gonna want to um participate participate, basically Yeah. yeah Adam, what do you think? You think it's a fad? You think it's a be here for a while? No, I think I think it's definitely going to stick around. Um, and I do, like I said earlier, I do think that there's some uh, possibility in the near future of blurring the lines there between real and real people and virtual influencers. And I do think 
particularly, we might start to see more of these virtual influencers start to behave more like traditional celebrities. Like I find it super interesting that little Michaela has uh, tracks on Spotify. I Mm -hmm. think we're not that far away from um, someone like that or something like that going into, uh, you know, Movies. movies yeah like i think that that's um are some there was a really great article that somebody wrote um about the new uh, disney lion king live live action in quotes lion king which isn't actually live action it's just very realistic cgi um, <laughs> and uh how that was uh sort of a, a potential way forward um for the film industry where we might just start seeing things that look real um but that are actually entirely you know computer computerized um in in hollywood um and we're not quite able to do that with humans yet but we're not that far away from it either right um so uh i think that you know i I think that that uh we will in the next probably 10 years see uh, a very popular celebrity who is 100 percent synthetic yeah and i guess you know can kind of like ran out the conversation here why why now like what has happened over these like these past few years that has made this something that's available now yeah, um, I've actually been thinking about that a little bit. Um, I, I mean, for me, um, you know, obviously it's the it's the technology, and I and I think it's 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 just kind of like where the way I see it is like it's just kind of like where we are evolving right now within um, technology and entertainment, and kind of just like you know uh, what Adam said is like you know with the, with the Lion King, I think I think for the most part we're we're kind of already there. I mean, there's the Lion King, there was Avatar that came out a few years ago, and everything else. So I think that. You know, there there is an appetite for that sort of like type of content. Um, I think with synthetic influencers uh, and virtual influencers, where it's going to become super interesting is when, if and when they 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 start creating other content besides basically sponsored posts that are now basically right now they're basically more of a of an advertising medium or tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, because. One of the fact, one of the key factors of why influencers, real life influencers, became famous, it had to do with their content, like you know, their yep. channel, um, their storytelling, basically. So, and and that's obviously very dynamic because they're human, um, and that what that's what makes them interesting. I think that at a point where synthetic influencers start doing that, you know, it's going to change, it's going to blur the lines, like right. like Adam was saying a little bit. Yeah, Adam, what do you think? Why now? Well, what's happened in consumer behavior? <laughs> Digital culture, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think I think it's <laughs> it's yeah. um, it's digital culture on on both sides. On one hand, uh, the technology is good enough and cheap enough and easy enough that um, producing CGI characters at this level is uh, pretty uh, affordable and commoditized skill. Um, and then I just think that we are so as a culture at this point uh, embrace, surrounded by digital technologies that um, younger generations, especially who grew up, uh, you know, with, with, you know, obviously online and then with smartphones are just, this is just a normal, natural extension of the, the world that they're already living in uh, and, and what they grew up with. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a generational thing. I wouldn't uh, go after a baby a baby boomer audience with yeah. <laughs> a virtual influencer at this point. <laughs> yes, that's uh that's very true. But then, so you know, thinking about the brands and you know uh, who we work with, like what should brands be thinking about uh, when it comes to you know I guess influencers today and how they're evolving into the future? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I I think using influencer marketing is a it's I think it's been proving also that it's a very effective way to reach consumers and, and your target audiences. Um, 
You know, I, I think that, uh, and we talked about it, about it a little a little bit. Um, I think that each type of influencer um, and influencer sort of like tier has their own specific utility uh, and objective. So I think it really depends on what the brand wants to do. Obviously, um, you know, when we talk about micro influencers, or those are influencers, yes, with a smaller audience, but they are influencers with those smaller audiences that that are engaged more with their content. Um, so in that example for in that example, um, if if a brand wanted to wanted to create more more engagement or wanted specific audiences to do a, a specific action, then I think that micro influencers might be the best way to go about that doing that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you know, in comparison, like a more large scale uh, celebrity is, it's basically more for like wide reach and awareness, and not so much about like the specific engagement because those engagement rates are. Uh, lower. Um, mm-hmm. With synthetic influencers, I think that the best use can- scenarios at this point right now are basically more like within the beauty and beauty and, and fashion um, verticals. I think that actually it's funny because I think that um, one brand that used them um, when talking about companies that created um, synthetic influencers, as you know, like the, the British photographer, uh, uh, is it Cameron is it Cameron Cameron James Wilson I think yes I think that's his name yeah yeah so it's Cameron J- uh, James w- uh, Wilson uh, it must be because I remember thinking James Cameron um, <laughs> so he he created Shudu um, you know which is the the I guess the the second most known influencer uh, synthetic influencer and so Bauman actually the the French fashion company um, contacted him to create two more exclusively for his brand as part of like his Bauman um, army. You know, in order to to um, market his products, and they and he included all three within an actual campaign, marketing his, one of his new bags. So that's one way to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. to have exclusivity over you know specific influencers that you create. Um, but I think that for those synthetic virtual influencers, it might be more within that fashion beauty space. Gotcha, Adam. What about yourself? Anything you recommend out there? Who to follow? Maybe I told you I don't follow <laughs> influencers. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, there is, um, I think Oscar summed it up very well. Um, there's a lot of value to be found for brands and working with influencers of a variety of types. And I think certainly for the brands that are looking for more, uh, more innovative approach, looking at the idea of synthetic influencers is very interesting. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go the KFC route, right? Like it's it's partially about the curation and, and element, I think. And mm-hmm. that for a lot of brands, that might actually be, uh, I think, more influence, you know, more interesting and more um, in line with the, the kinds of audiences they're trying to reach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you like what you hear and you want to learn more, go check out our IPG Lab website. From there, you can follow our Medium blog. You can check out all the great content we have there. Uh, and let us know your thoughts, listeners. Do you think synthetic influencers are here to stay? Or is it just a fad? You can tweet at me at T-I-P-P-I-E-R or at Adam J. Simon on Twitter. Uh, and Oscar, you know, thank you for coming on Floor 9. Love to have you here and talk about everything from micro to macro to synthetic influencers. No, uh, thank you for having me. That was, that was fun. We should do it again. Yeah.